China says it will ramp up inspections of cold chain imports from Taiwan to prevent virus-tainted products from entering. China's Taiwan Affairs Office announced on the move on Wednesday, citing the discovery of the COVID virus on seafood packaging from Taiwan. According to the agency, Chinese authorities had imposed a one-week import ban on the product in question, the large-head hair tail, also known as bellfish. Here in Taiwan, news of the ban was met with anger. Local officials are calling for proof that the virus was found on Taiwan imports. Fishers roll up large head hair tail and place them in a crate, preparing them for the market. But all their work may be in vain, with China's latest ban on Taiwan seafood. Traces of SARS-CoV-2 were detected on the outer packaging of frozen aquatic products imported from Taiwan. As a result, our customs authority suspended the acceptance of product import declarations from the company involved for one week, starting from June 10th, as part of our strict pandemic measures. We've not been able to sell the fish for one or two weeks now, since a couple of weeks ago. China said its ban took effect last Friday, but fishers say they've been unable to sell large head hair tail for two weeks already. Meanwhile, Tainan's mayor questioned China's claim that it found virus particles on Taiwan imports. China says that the virus was found on seafood packaging. We question the validity of that. The second thing is, who said that? And do we just take their word for it? In the future, they might end up saying they found virus particles on all sorts of things. It's all very strange. We have reservations about their test results. COVID-19 is from China in the first place. They want to play politics with Taiwan. Why don't we just tell them to take their virus back? China also recently banned the import of grouper fish from Taiwan. It claimed it found excessive traces of oxytetracycline, malachite green, and crystal violet in the fish. Taiwan said that it might take the issue to the World Trade Organization. The threat drew strong words from Beijing. Is the sale of fish containing banned chemicals to the mainland what they refer to as normal trade? To sow discord and to heighten antagonism, shouldn't this count as unilaterally damaging cross-trade relations? If you are unsatisfied with our products, talk to us first. There should always be an observation period. If we really do a bad job, then put a stop to the trade. If you just tell us one day and then stop trade the following day, do you think Taiwanese will be happy about China's recent bans have drawn anger in Taiwan from local officials as well as the general public. Chinese leader Xi Jinping has signed a directive allowing for non-war military operations by China's armed forces. According to the country's state media, the signed order takes effect today. The move comes after Russia invaded Ukraine under the guise of a special military operation. Analysts fear the directive could pave the way for a similar non-war invasion of Taiwan. Russia used the pretext of a special military operation to invade Ukraine. Is there a chance that China will follow suit? I believe that there is. China's intent to invade Taiwan and its territorial claims on Taiwan have never diminished. They have lots and lots of pretexts for making a move, including the one we've been hearing about, the claim that the Taiwan Strait is its territory, or that the median line of the Taiwan Strait does not exist. Actually, this isn't the first time we've heard these claims. Commenting on Xi's directive, a Taipei-based Japanese journalist said it was China's challenge to international laws and regulations. Aita Aiko 
the director of Sankei Shinbun's Taipei branch, said China was waging a form of legal warfare to justify its actions. Taiwan reduced its mandatory quarantine for airport arrivals on Wednesday. Incoming passengers only have to complete three days of quarantine, down from seven, as well as four days of self-help management. Also on Wednesday, Taiwan began letting people pick up friends and family at airports for the first time since last June. We swung by Taoyuan's International Airport, where travelers applauded the new rules. Travelers pushed their luggage out of the airport. A shorter three-day quarantine came into effect on Wednesday, with entry capped at 250,000 arrivals a week. Not only that, airport pickup by family and friends is allowed once again. Travelers say the new rules are a game-changer. I learned of the new policy last Sunday, so I changed my flight so that I would arrive today. One traveler said he'd changed his flight to take advantage of the new quarantine policy. At the arrivals gate, family members waited to collect their loved ones. One drove up from Taichung at 4 in the morning. The policy is very good, the 3 plus 4 policy, although the last four days will still be spent in a quarantine hotel. This is just an opportunity for me to see him. As a mother, just seeing him puts my heart at ease. To wait for family and friends, not a few people parked their cars right at the terminal curbs. Airport security officers were sent to the scene to dispatch them. The second and fourth parking lots are for family and friends who are here to pick up arrivals. Parking is free for 30 minutes. If people park their vehicles there and then drive over to the airport once they make contact with their family member or friend, then that can eliminate congestion at the terminal. People are advised to use the parking lots first and pull up to the airport later once the passenger is ready to be picked up to prevent congestion at the curbs. South Korea is one of the top travel destinations for Taiwanese. And after two long years, it's finally opened up to foreign tourists, issuing its first short-term visas for group or individual tours. In Taiwan, interest has been so strong that visa appointments are booked through to the end of July. On Wednesday, we met the lucky traveler who secured the first visa issued to a Taiwan national. Her passport, tourist visa, and plane ticket in hand, Miss Huang is all ready for her trip to South Korea next week. I'm heading there for 13 days this time. The plane ticket is much more expensive than it used to be, so I wanted to go for a bit longer. I guess I'll go shopping, eat out, and then I'll visit my Korean friends. Now, with the 3 plus 4 policy, the quarantine period is shortened a bit, so I can handle that. Ms. Huang says she doesn't mind the need to quarantine if it means she can visit South Korea. Before the pandemic, she would travel there two to three times per year, but she hasn't been able to go for the past two years. When Seoul opened the borders to tourists on June 1st, she scrambled to secure her spot, becoming the first person in Taiwan to do so. I'm so lucky to have grabbed the first visa. I have some unused vacation days, so I'll use them up all at once. South Korea is only requiring a negative PCR or rapid test result for border entry, making it a popular destination. It is not requiring quarantine even for those who are unvaccinated. Meanwhile, Thailand is requiring proof of vaccination and purchase of insurance for entry, but says it may drop the insurance requirement starting July 1st. Japan is only allowing tour groups in at the moment and requires travelers to buy insurance, but it is not requiring vaccination or quarantine. 
If you buy this insurance, they can offer medical interpretation by phone. The medical expenses will also be covered by the company. According to a survey by one travel agency, Taiwanese most want to travel to Japan, South Korea and Thailand. By city, Tokyo and Seoul are both top destinations, followed by San Francisco. The travel agency said it is already seeing daily ticket sales exceed 10 million NT. Many people have been booking tickets for medium and long-term travel plans, such as for Christmas, New Year's, and even next year's Lunar New Year holiday. People are confident that travel will fully open up in the second half of the year. With neighboring countries opening their borders to tourists, many Taiwanese are clamoring for their first chance to travel abroad in over two years. Czech artist Alphonse Mucha was a pioneer of Art Nouveau, an art movement inspired by nature that became especially popular at the turn of the 20th century. Mucha was a prolific creator of paintings, posters, illustrations and works in the decorative arts. The Mucha Museum in Prague contains a wealth of information about the artist's life and career. In a new series of reports from the Czech Republic, our reporter Stephanie Yang takes us to the museum to learn more. During his career, Mucha created a large number of posters and paintings. This was his armchair. Alphonse Maria Mucha was a Czech artist born in 1860 in the small Moravian town of Ivanseis. This is his earliest work, Crucifixion, which he painted when he was only eight years old. A calendar that originated a few years later. One of Mucha's most popular artworks is Zodiac, designed as a company calendar. The print shows 12 zodiac signs in a halo-like disc behind a woman's head. To see that he used very much these uh, different moons, the sun, uh, the stars, which were actually symbols used by the Freemasons. This was the period we have to think about the end of the 19th century, the so-called fin de siècle. Mucha's big break came in 1894 when he created Gizmonda, a poster he created for French actress Sarah Bernhardt. The poster elevated Mucha to stardom and revolutionized poster design. He decided to use this pastel kind of colors that are like kind of softer and it was also considered something new and revolutionary. Muka is also known for his paintings, advertisements, posters, decorative panels and illustrations, but he also designed jewelry, carpets and wallpapers. He's very popular in France, he was very popular in the United States and nowadays because uh, he has always drawn inspiration from uh, the art of different cultures, so he has drawn inspiration also from the Japanese art. The Muka Museum in Prague is the only museum in the world dedicated to the work and life of Alphonse Muka. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Huang Ritsun in the Czech Republic. Taiwan surpassed the 3 million mark in total local cases of COVID on Wednesday as it added just under 70,000 domestic infections for the day. It also reported 143 COVID-related deaths. As for moderate to severe cases, there were 392, five of which involved minors under the age of 18. Let's hear from the CECC. Four of the new severe cases involve young children. There are now 54 child cases in total, and 19 of them involve the complication of encephalitis. Ten of the children developed pneumonia or bronchitis. MISC accounts for 10 of the cases, and today we're adding two child cases of MISC, as well as one severe case of MISC in an adolescent. There were no reports of new pandemic deaths among minors. One case was a 13-year-old male who developed MISC, or multi-system inflammatory syndrome, in children. This is the first time that MISC has appeared in a Taiwanese teen. 
The CECC said the teen had no pre-existing chronic conditions. After being diagnosed with COVID, he developed a persistent fever, full body rash and eye inflammation. He is currently receiving treatment in a hospital's general ward. The Hualien Ciji Hospital has a new app to let patients order convenience store goods on their phones. The special app was developed in just two days by engineers at the hospital. Nurses, patients and business people all say the app is a hit. It reduces, it reduces the risk of infection while making a stay in hospital a tiny bit more convenient. A convenience store employee looks at the board, puts the items in the cart, puts on a medical mask and then wheels the purchases into the ward where a nurse pays. The nurse then delivers the items to the patients. Here at Hualien Siji Hospital, they've built the first app for hospital patients to order convenience store deliveries. Patients and their relatives can download the app with a QR code and then choose all the daily essentials they need, saving them from walking down to the shop and risking infection. It saves us lots of time. We don't have to go out to buy things, so it's easier for us to take care of our family. You can choose from lots of options. If it doesn't have the thing you want, you can let us know at the nurse's station. The platform has everything from daily necessities and medical items to foodstuffs. They can be delivered to any floor or building. The hospital's newly opened Smart Medical Innovation Development Centre released the app in just two days. It's great news for patients, nurses and delivery people alike. The hospital took into consideration protecting the safety of our delivery people, so they just have one point of contact with us at the nurse's station. It reduces the risk of cross-infection when you go buy the things. It also allows us to monitor and control the coming and going of staff. We asked our front-end developers to make a platform in a very short period, and then we will gradually optimize it. It's got good reviews from our parents' families, nurses and commercial partners. The app is a simple solution to an obvious problem and makes a trip to the hospital just that tiny bit less of a hassle. Under the pall of the pandemic, blood supplies have dropped to critical lows across Taiwan. Taipei's National Taiwan University Hospital likes to keep three days of blood supply on hand, but now it has only one and a half days worth. Today, doctors and nurses rolled up their sleeves to do their part and donate. They're pleading for others to do the same, saying the shortage poses a risk to patient care. These people lined up at National Taiwan University Hospital are not here to get vaccinated. They are here to donate blood. Due to the pandemic and poor weather, national blood supplies have dropped to critical lows. NTU Hospital is facing an historically low supply. A blood shortage is worse than a water shortage or power outage. Despite the pandemic, we can't simply ignore our other patients with serious conditions. We have patients across all departments, from internal medicine to surgery, who need blood. But right now at NTU Hospital, we only have 1.5 days worth of blood. Our supply of type A blood is especially low. The director rolls up his sleeve to donate blood, hoping to lead by example. Many frontline staff have also followed suit. At the Taipei Blood Center, the supply of type A is down to 2.6 days worth. Type O is down to 2.9 days worth, 
while types A, B, and B have 2.8 days and 3.5 days of supply, respectively. The average supply of the center is 2.9 days worth. Donations over the past week met less than 50% of the center's needs. With emergency surgeries and blood transfusions happening every day, NTU Hospital normally carries 2.5 to 3 days worth of blood. At only 1.5 days currently, doctors are concerned over the risk to patients. <laughs> My blood type is A, the type we are most lacking. Due to the shortage in our clinical practice, we have to prioritize those with the greatest emergencies, those who need blood the most. Due to the pandemic, people have been going out less often. As for me, I was already out and I saw the donation bus, so I guess it was fate. I just came in to donate. The hospital is holding a three-day blood donation campaign. People who have had COVID can still donate 14 days following the onset of their symptoms. The latest wave of COVID is a fresh blow for hospitality, and businesses are making all kinds of adaptations to stay afloat. We visited a hot pot restaurant that has turned itself into a convenience store. Customers can order all the ingredients they need to cook up a hot pot at home. Service is in full swing, but staff also have to double up as grocery fulfillment officers packing deliveries. The customer sends in a request and they pick out all the ingredients from the freezer. This hot pot chain has been hit hard by COVID. Many customers don't want to come in the store, so the business is offering a delivery purchase service. The business gets steep discounts on its wholesale ingredients, and customers can order everything in one go. The service has helped recoup 50% of normal profits. Right now, as the pandemic is pretty bad, it has made customers less willing to come out of the house. We have a lot of inquiries asking what ingredients we can offer for the takeaway hot pot packages, both over our social media accounts and on instant messaging groups. COVID is back, and this restaurant brand has launched a COVID-safe delivery box to give customers a satisfying meal. It's combined with an online store. You can cook your own Wagyu beef hot pot at home. With COVID as rampant as it is, sitting down in a restaurant for a meal is just a step too far for many people. Restaurants are doing all they can to provide takeaway and delivery options, although last year's Level 3 alert is behind us. Because of the pandemic, many people are choosing to eat at home, so we expect to see profits in the millions. Amid the pandemic, restaurants are tweaking their business models to survive uncertainty. Starting July 1st, it'll pay to go green. It'll pay at least 5NT to be exact. Under a new EPA policy, a discount of at least 5NT must be given at beverage shops, convenience stores, fast food chains and supermarkets to customers who bring their own reusable cup. Fast food chains McDonald's, KFC, Most Burger and TKK Fried Chicken have said they'll comply with the minimum 5NT discount. Convenience store chain 7-Eleven will offer a 7-NT discount for a limited time only from June 21st to 23rd. Over in Taichung, a young couple is showing that you can do good and do good business at the same time. The two of them opened a fried rice business in 2016. Since the very beginning, they've given back to their community by donating food to the homeless and other people in need. Today, they manage their original restaurant along with two branches 
and business has never been better. Thin beef slices are tossed into a hot wok and fried until lightly brown. Then in go fresh eggs, white rice and a generous handful of greens, which are fried until their aroma fills up the kitchen. Fried rice is a simple dish, but there's an art to getting it perfect. When it comes to fried rice, the key is the so-called wok hay, or the breath of the wok. If the breath of the wok is strong, then every bite you fry up will be fragrant. Next, you need to use very good ingredients. For example, the rice. You should use rice that's at least grade A. As for the eggs, we use washed eggs. So our eggs are fresh, our oil is fresh, our rice is good, and our ingredients, such as beef and chicken, are also the freshest available. Zhan Minqi owns a fried rice business. He previously worked in marketing but was inspired to open a restaurant after he tasted the delicious fried rice of a veteran chef in Taipei. At the time, Jun had no capital, so he and his girlfriend went overseas to work and save up cash. At the time, I said to the master chef, after I return with my savings, I want to learn from you and then open a store of my own in Taichung. The master chef agreed. In 2016, the couple rented a small storefront in Taichung and began selling fried rice. They also began donating fried rice to churches to help out the disadvantaged. Even after their business expanded into two new branches, the couple continued to donate food. Sometimes we stir-fry something new or we have extra food. We send that to the local children's home or the foundation for the homeless. There are homeless people who line up for food at the foundation. It's only a small fried rice business, but John puts care into every detail. He makes sure to give back to the community and to make every plate a labour of love.